Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch. Fastball pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. Here on Wednesday, April 3rd, Chris Bales on Chris Sale. We got frantic texts from Chris Towers last night. He was freaking out about Chris was, Sale. It was really fun. It was, right? It was really I, is that is that on tilt? Is that is that what that it was? Well, no, because on tilt means that I have some kind of investment in it. I didn't draft Chris Sale at all this year. I'm worried just as a a fan of the game of baseball. Now the best part of that whole exchange, you know what it was, right? What was that? When you said that he just bounced a throw to first base, and Adam <laughs> says, "I am watching." He I'm did watch- not bounce I'm it. watching the game. I don't know. Maybe he didn't bounce it, but they were like. Two to three feet to the left. Mitch Moreland had to go way off the bag to get them. There was something yeah. wrong with Chris Sale. Uh, yeah, so Chris was freaking out with the group text saying, you know, Chris Sale's velocity is so low and, and this and that. And he's right. And then he said, he just bounced two throws. And at that point, I had turned the game on. I was like, I'm fact-checking you now, Chris. But also, I'm trying to fact-check you again because I felt like you tweeted last night that you have a team with Chris Sale and Trey Turner. That was a joke. Oh, I was surprised oh. that people couldn't. The joke was, I listed all the players who have been disappointments or are injured, and then said, let me take a big glass of water while I check my lineup. I think the reason the people didn't know... that I was going to do a right. comical, cartoony spit take. Bad right. joke. Yes. I think the part that threw people off, the reason we thought it was serious, is you said, let me check my lineup for the first time since the draft, and that sounded very much... <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. That's fair. <laughs> All right, so we welcome you to the show, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to Fantasy Baseball today. Please send us your emails, fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Uh, we are going to read some grade the trade later today. So if you have a trade that you want graded, remember a C is average. So if I respond to you or I read it on the show and we give you a C plus, you did well. A C, you broke even. Anything worse than that, bad. If you got an A, good job. But uh, put grade the trade in the subject line. Tomorrow I think we're going to do fantasy regulators. So if you have any league disputes, Woo. yeah. Uh, are you on? Who's oh. on the show tomorrow? Chris is not on the show, right? I'm not. Chris is not. Woo! <laughs> uh, I mean, this is wow. Yeah, unbelievable. It's just been a. It's been just been all morning. All, all morning. Oh boy, it's it's eight thirty. So anyway, uh, let's get to it. Let's talk about Chris Sale. We'll also talk about Trey Turner, who broke his finger, and we'll give you some uh, some options to replace him at shortstop. Some some of the contracts that have been signed. Buy or sell today. Is Hyunjin Ryu better than Zach Granke by herself? We'll do stuff like that. Is Cody Bellinger better than Anthony Rizzo? Um, we'll do, okay. Chris Bale's on Chris Sale. And one strikeout, six innings, three hits, one run. That's great. Two walks, that's, that's good. Six swinging strikes, and obviously something wrong here. Very low velocity. He said after the game, I'm still just trying to find it. Still working on some things with my mechanics and trying to find my space out there. Just trying to get comfortable. And find the groove. That was, uh, I'm sure he said that to everyone, but I read that in the Boston Herald. And the Boston Herald later in the article pointed out, there was a time in 2013 that Sale had a similar case of missing velocity. That year he averaged 91 to 93 miles per hour in his first four starts with the White Sox. And then sat at 94 to 97 miles per hour the rest of the way. But we did not get 91 to 93 yesterday, so how concerned should we be about Chris Sale? I don't know. Because the Red Sox, and this has been a thing since spring training, as Scott has talked about, their plan is to not have him throw 100% right away. But after the first start, I was not concerned at all. He was throwing 92-93. Yes, he got bombed by the Mariners. But we've seen Chris Sale be effective at 92 to 93 miles an hour. There was the 2016 season with the White Sox where he did exactly that. He wasn't throwing at max effort. He was pitching more to contact, and he was a very good pitcher through a career-high 226 innings. 88-89, which is where he was sitting last night. I think his max velocity was 92 yesterday. This is unprecedented territory for, for Chris Salem. We just don't know. Watching him last night, he looked like a junk baller. Like yeah. His slider looked like a big, slow curveball. The A's still couldn't really square him up, but... That feels more like a 
because there was a lot. You could see, especially there was one uh, at bat with Marcus Simeon, who has actually had a pretty good career against Chris Sale, where he was just out in front of everything. He was way off balance, and you know he was. It, it looked like he just hadn't adjusted to what Chris Sale was throwing, and maybe. Maybe Chris Sale can just throw a different velocity every start and keep guys off balance, and maybe it'll work. But I don't think there's any chance he can be a high-level starting pitcher at 88, 89 miles an hour. My, my my favorite part about all of this is Chris Sale is so good that he can pitch like a junk baller for one game and give up one run against the Athletics. I, I tuned in for like five hitters. Junk ballers can give up one run in six innings against the Athletics. Like that, Mike Fires goes. The Athletics six are not bad. Right, but Mike, we've seen Mike Fires go six innings right. and give up one run against good I, offenses. Too. I'm not saying he's okay, but the, I, it sounds like. What we can infer is that the Red Sox have a very bad plan to have him throw soft in spring training, and it's continued now into the start of the season, and not give Max effort and hope that he is full Chris Sale in October. Uh, and yeah, you think that's I don't what it know. is? I, oh, I, I think that's definitely what because it is. Because he was yeah. throwing 94 miles per hour in the first inning of his first start against Seattle, and then since then hasn't even come close to that. And let's not forget, he had the shoulder injury last year, and he came back and was throwing very soft. And then in the playoffs, he wasn't really himself. Uh, he wasn't going deep well, in the games. He, he was throwing out of the bullpen. He said in the spring, and I don't know that this happened in the, in the opener, but it's just another piece of positive, possible evidence. He said in the spring that there were times when he was throwing that his pitching coach or someone standing near him would have to tell him to slow it down because he was throwing too hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. So I, I think this is like, it's possible that he's hurt too. As far as how freaked out you should be, there's not anything you can reasonably do about this right now. Everyone's going to be talking about what's wrong with Chris Sale. I don't think you can get anywhere close to fair value for him. And I think the most likely situation is he's going to be a very good pitcher that's maybe not what you paid for, but still not a complete disaster. Right. But if you could get, a Noah Syndergaard or a Trevor Bauer for him. I would not do that, but you might. You be, wouldn't do. It for I, I don't Bauer? think you can. I don't think you can get Trevor Bauer. Yeah, I don't think so either. I, I would do that in a second. I would do it for Syndergaard if I could, because at the very least, even if we think Chris Sale can be himself at some point, I think he's probably a bigger injury risk than Noah Syndergaard right now. Oh, well, that, he'd be the I first think pitcher it's probably ever. The same. <laughs> All right, but yeah, I think if anything, you try to buy low. Well, you could sell for an ace, sure, but I think what what Heath is saying is you're not going to get great value for him most likely. So maybe you try to buy low. I I don't know. Does that make sense? Not yeah. didn't really. Yeah, right, it, made a little sense. It's just it is really concerning because by the end, by the middle of summer last year, he was throwing 97, 98 miles an hour on average per start and hitting a hundred regularly. So that was by far the hardest we'd ever seen him throw immediately after that. He suffers a shoulder injury and basically everything we've seen since has been five to nine miles an hour lower than his peak. That's really, I don't care if it's on purpose. That's really, well, there is a, a big difference. I, I know you don't care if it's on purpose, and it's going to be bad if he does it all season on purpose, but there is a big difference between he's doing this on purpose and he's not. Sure. If he's throwing as hard as he can right now and he's throwing 88 or 89, you should absolutely panic and take whatever you can get for him because he's going to be terrible. Well, that so that's the thing. I, I, we should really wrap on this. But one, one thing that struck me is that, okay, we have to, we should mention this, I think. The Red Sox did sign him to a big extension. They should know better than anyone what his health is. But... He basically stopped throwing his fastball at one point in this game. So it wasn't even like he's just throwing 88, 89, 90 miles per hour and he's throwing in the fastball. He did become a junk baller. He scrapped his fastball in the middle innings. So I don't know that he has more velocity right now or he probably would have thrown his fastball a little bit more. And well, that, again, and I don't, we don't, nobody knows, but yeah. if you knew that you were only trying to throw 88 or 89 and you've done that for four innings, and you want to keep pitching, that, you can't keep throwing an 88 or 89 That doesn't make any sense. Then he would throw harder. He wouldn't just stop throwing fastballs. He would throw harder. They don't want him throwing harder. Well, they want him throwing harder than 88. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, is what happened between Thursday and now? It's can't Where be. his average fastball velocity fell three miles an hour. It can't be easy 
to say take something off but throw three miles an hour faster than you are right now. That's got to be difficult. Sure, but again, like his slider was 73-75 last night too. Like it looked like a big slow curveball. Yeah. He did not look like the same guy even from the first start. Sometimes it's mechanical. That is that is a real thing. Sometimes they just have to fix something mechanical and get it back on track. But obviously, it's a big story and something we'll keep an eye on. Uh, something you should keep an eye on, our other podcasts. Great time to listen to our State of Combat podcast, uh, which is an MMA, boxing, and wrestling podcast. State of Combat. Obviously, Eye on College Basketball is huge right now. Gotten ready for the Final Four. Uh, so check out all of our shows, cbssports.com slash podcast. And check out CBS Sports HQ. It is really great. Great tournament coverage right now. Great baseball coverage, highlights, smart analysis. Uh, you're going to really like it. You're going to really enjoy it. You're going to be impressed. CBS Sports HQ, it's on the CBS Sports app. I watch on my Roku. You can watch on any connected device. You want to just give it a shot, check it out at cbssportshq.com. All right, news and notes. Trey Turner broke his finger. Do we have a timetable? As last I checked, we don't have a timetable on Trey Turner. Uh, I did see Scott White saying that Based on precedent, four to six weeks seems to make sense. Uh, his, his take on this, he wrote it last night and it's up on CBSSports.com now. You shouldn't panic. He should be back in a month. There should be available options on waivers who can at least help you keep the ship afloat. Well, let's take a look at some of those available options on waivers. I will go, and this is a useful tool if you play on CBS. You go to roster trends. Go to most owned slash most started and sort by I'm sorting by team status all because I want to see everybody. But if you sort by free agent, it's a little bit, I think, better than the most added list because sometimes there are guys that slip through the cracks that are like 80 percent owned that just happen to be available in your league. So if you sort by free agent, you'll be able to see that. But all right, shallower leagues, I think Elvis Andrews is a good ad. He's 79 percent owned. He So uh, how about this group? Elvis Andrews, Tim Beckham, Enrique Hernandez, Andrelton Simmons, Cattell Marte. Not bad here. Andrews, Beckham, Enrique Hernandez, Andrelton Simmons, Cattell Marte. I'd be fine with Andrews, Hernandez, or Simmons. I'm not that interested in Beckham, probably, or Marte. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, we'd be okay with Marte in a deeper league, right? But he's 73% owned. Right. Uh, Tim Anderson, Jorge Polanco, Chris Taylor. I'm guessing Taylor's a little over-owned at 64%. Uh, Eduardo Escobar, Ahmed Rosario. Gosh, a lot of short stops. <laughs> Ahmed Rosario, what, Marvin what Gonzalez. Ranger they in? 60. Yeah, I mean, Rosario has hit some balls really hard in the early going. Tim Anderson had 20 homers and 26 steals last year. Those guys are unlikely to help you in batting average, and Tim Anderson in particular, will almost certainly hurt you, but you could do worse. Okay, let's go a little farther down the list here. If you need a Trey Turner replacement, Marcus Simeon, Garrett Hampson, 51%. Tulowitzki, Willie Adamas, Bo Bichette, uh, Brendan Rodgers, these are stashes, and now we're getting into deep territory. Brandon Crawford, Aledmus Diaz, Nick Ahmed, these guys are, are no good. So. Yeah, if I was in a deeper league, I, I mean, Dansby Swanson's the first name that sticks out. He had a, a pretty good spring and not, not a bad start. He's 23% owned. And he's healthy. And he's healthy. So, and then, like, in that 40% range, Willie Adames has been absolutely awful so far to start the year, but I still think he's going to be relatively good. So he's a 43% owned. It is worth noting, Garrett Hampson, I think it's this is the first game since Daniel Murphy. Second. The second. first game he didn't play. He was batting second yesterday. I don't know if that's just a platoon situation with a lefty up, but you know that that's a promising sign. If he plays four or five times a week, he might be the best Trey Turner replacement. He's yeah. just going to have to do something. Sure. He's, yeah, he was 0 for 4 with two strikeouts yesterday. I think um, he has one hit and 10 plate appearances or something. Well, they placed, they faced Blake Snell yesterday. I think he struck out 13 batters. Uh, so yeah. tough matchup for all of them. But Ryan McMahon was on the bench and Hampson was in the lineup along with Mark Reynolds. Some more news and notes. Francisco Lindor, maybe like a three week timetable. I think it should get a little bit more concrete, but hopefully back by, let's say the end of the month. Daniel Murphy will miss at least a month. I was I, I was picking up Yandy Diaz, who I really think is one of the most underowned players. He's up to twenty five percent, but as of yesterday, mm-hmm. I think it was like less than twenty percent. Yandy Diaz, 
And I put in a claim for him, and within seconds, he left the game with an ankle injury after doubling. <laughs> but he looks like he looks really good right now, and I don't know how serious it is. I don't think it's that bad. Maybe I still should have put in a claim for him, but I got a, a little scared off on that. Uh, so check out Yandy Diaz, I think 25% owned. Miguel Andujar, optimistic that he won't need season-ending uh, shoulder surgery. Brandon Nimmo and Luke Voigt were hit by a pitch on the hand, both of them yesterday. X-rays were negative on Nimmo and Voigt. This is a rough day yesterday. Uh, Byron Buxton <laughs> left with bruised ribs. Just uh, a lot, of, lot going on. San Francisco acquired Kevin Pillar. If you were in an NL-only league, let's say you had a $100 fab, how much would you throw on Kevin Pillar? And if you were in an AL-only league, how much would you throw down on Anthony Alford, who the Blue Jays called up and he started yesterday? Well, what did you put? Uh, I put $21 on Alford. I would probably go somewhere like 9 on Pilar. Alford was a big prospect and is no longer a big prospect because he's really kind of struggled, but he had a good spring. He's got 36 stolen bases in his last like 180 minor league games. He has some real interest in a, any kind of categories league, especially with five outfielders. I actually put him in the waiver wire column for mixed leagues today. And there were really glowing reports out of spring training about him. He's always been, I think he's pretty much widely considered to be one of the best athletes in the game. Um, it's just been about finding ways to put that into actual game situations consistently. But from what I saw, people were really high on him coming out of the spring. And, you know, the Blue Jays made moves to get him in the lineup. So that's a good sign. Ahmed Rosario and Adalberto Mondesi, uh, Mondesi stole their first bases of the season. Tampa Bay second baseman Daniel Robertson left with an illness, and Brandon Lau came in pinch hit and went two for three with a walk and a strikeout. So that was good, but he sat again, Brandon Lau. That's bad. Tampa Bay is now one for, or no, sorry, Toronto is now one for 55 in the first three innings of games. So we'll, we'll keep track of this stat. One for 55. That is insane. And Boston is one and five, and Baltimore is four and one. So go and figure. Michael Gibbons still doesn't have a save. Yeah, Baltimore is. It's really weird what they're doing with their bullpen because you would think tanking, rebuilding team, although now they're a contender. Yeah, would want to get one guy as many saves as possible to build his trade value and. Not so much for Michael Givens. I'm still not convinced Givens was available yesterday. He threw, I think, 46 pitches two days ago, and he pitched the day before that. But Baltimore is historic, actually. They are the first team since 1991 to have four different relievers record saves in the first four <laughs> wins of the season. And last night it was Miguel Castro. And the last note I wanted to get to was that Tommy Pham stole a base last night, and the PA system played the family feud music, and it was great. Oh, I didn't realize like what that fam. was. Adam, we're on video now. Yeah, I know. That's what. That okay? Yeah, I n- no amazing. no no. All right, all right, fine. I'll stop dancing. <laughs> Quick lineup notes: Francisco Mejia started a catcher. He went two for four with a strikeout. Max Muncy started against a lefty, but he went zero for four with two strikeouts. Ryan McMahon sat versus a lefty. Three contract notes: Colorado signed Armand Marquez, five years, forty-three million dollars. Somehow, the Blue Jays signed Randall Grichik for even more money than that, five years, fifty-two million dollars, and Ronald Acuna, eight years, one hundred million dollars. I'd love to talk about it, but we have fantasy baseball to get to. Buy or sell. Hyunjin Ryu is better than Zach Granke. So. On a perning basis or for the rest of the season? For the rest of the season in fantasy baseball. Sell. On a perning perning basis or a per start basis, I think he probably is. Uh, he's pretty good. Uh, he's last year, really good. 197 ERA. Now, he's faced Arizona and San Francisco so far, but Ryu's off to a very good start. And Granke had a very good bounce back yesterday. He gave up two home runs, though. He hit two home runs, right? Didn't he double dong? He double donged. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah, I know. He and Madison Bumgarner hit a home run in that game, he's, right? Yep. Yeah, he's a very good hitter. Yeah, he is. He's a great, great athlete. That's awesome. But no, it was a, it was a nice bounce back for Granky. Um, I have him later in the notes, but if you want to talk about Granky right now, who obviously got lit up, I mean, I do think that the two home runs are a little concerning, but I think it was six innings, three runs, ten strikeouts, something like that. Where I can't find it, but. Yeah, Granky, talk. Yeah, he definitely had 10 strikeouts. Uh, yeah, six innings, six hits, three runs, no walks, 10 strikeouts at San Diego, uh, rebounding from that bad start at the Dodgers. 
Now you talk about Granky. He's fine. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably true. I mean, his his velocity is actually up from where it was last year. Um, and, you know, he went from averaging like 88 in April to 89, close to 90 for the season. So that's a good sign that he, he does seem to have recovered some of that. Um, yeah, I think he's fine. Okay, is that Granky or Jamison Tyone? Granky. Granky or Armand Marquez? Granky. Yeah. Buy or sell Cody Bellinger, currently the number one hitter in fantasy. Buy or sell Cody Bellinger is better than Anthony Rizzo. Sell. Kind of want to buy it. I kind of almost thought it before the season. <laughs> Nothing matters in the first week of the season except for things that confirm things you already thought. Exactly. I'll, I'll sell it. He, but it is nice to see. Who did he hit a grand slam off of last night? Zach Greinke. No, no. No, Madison Bumgarner. Correct. And what arm does Madison Bumgarner throw with? His left, His but left. he's not a good lefty. <laughs> His best one. He didn't give up an earned run yesterday, Zach. Uh, Madison Bumgarner. Yeah, Bellinger. Um, that's, that's such a stupid rule that he made the error that caused the inning to be extended, and he gets under unearned runs for it. It is a real. If you're a pitcher, just throw the ball away every time it comes. Also, if someone hits a home run, their run should always be earned. Like I don't care if the inning should have been over. They hit the ball out of the park against you. That is earned. Also, if you load the bases, the inning shouldn't have been over. You pitched crappily. I don't agree with Heath's thought. I think if you are forced to get four outs, no pitcher should have to get four outs. That it should all be unearned. But I do agree. If it's your error, I mean the whole concept is stupid. Uh, okay, buy or sell, Jordan Zimmerman is good. Yo, you skipped the best one! Oh, buy or sell, Tampa Bay could win the American League East. Buy. Buy, they could. They legitimately have to get could. over Baltimore, though. <laughs> uh, they the Yankees have, could. like, a Tigers-esque lineup right now, so. The Yankees are that team. There's, like, always one team that just gets destroyed by injuries. It's the Yankees. And it's gonna, the, the problem is, it, it's the type of thing that just perpetuates itself, because... The training staff spending so much time with the guys who are hurt that they can't do as much preventative care on the guys who aren't hurt. I think the Yankees should probably start selling. Their season's over. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, all right, buy or sell. Jordan Zimmerman is good. He struck out six Yankees, gave up one run in six and two thirds. He had 13 swinging strikes. That followed up seven scoreless one hit innings uh, at Toronto with four strikeouts. So now it's 13 and two thirds, one run, 10 Ks for Jordan Zimmerman, who is just 28% owned. I am not sure. I will sell Jordan Zimmerman is good. I will buy Jordan Zimmerman is different. I will say, I mean, first off, I'd like to see him against a good lineup first. <laughs> but he has only walked one batter in 13 innings. And that was an intentional walk. And when he was really good, it wasn't because he was striking a lot of guys out. It was because his control was maybe the best in the major leagues. I did put him in the waiver wire call on the day. I'm not, I'm kind of with Chris. I'm not ready to say that he's good. But I think he's been good enough so far that you need to pick him up to find out. Drop Eric Lauer for him? Yes. Sure. Matt Shoemaker or Jordan Zimmerman? I'd prefer Shoemaker. I think I'd still rather have Shoemaker, but it's close. Lucas Giolito or Jordan Zimmerman? Zimmerman. I would stick with Giolito. I think there's some interesting stuff there. All right. Uh, buy or sell Blake Parker at 14% and Anthony Swarzak at 25%. Are ridiculously under owned. Blake Parker, fourteen percent. Anthony Swarzak, twenty five percent. Buy more for Parker than Swarzak. Buy more for Swarzak than Parker. <laughs> Discuss. Um, I listen. This was good that Blake Parker got a, a save, and it was good they brought Taylor Rogers into the eighth inning of a tied game, and he gave up. He did, it wasn't tied anymore when he left the game. So those are positives. But I think there's still quite a competition going on in Minnesota for who's going to be the closer. There's not anybody in, like, they've given saves to other guys, but his very first day off the DL, a lot of times managers want to see a guy pitch in the seventh, see him pitch in the eighth. He got a save in his very first game back, and the Mariners don't really have anyone else, and I don't think we're going to see Hunter Strickland for two months. So I just think Swarzak, Parker's better than Swarzak, but I think Swarzak's more likely to get saves. Okay, and, and Swarzak, you know, 2017, I believe, he had a great season. 2018, injuries was really bad. But 2017, I don't know. You look at his career, 
I don't yeah, know that the Mariners... 17 was a big outlier. I don't know the Mariners have Also, Sporzak's any... 15% owned and not 25% owned, which makes him even more... Oh, really? Under, criminally under-owned. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Typo on my... Maybe Blake Parker's 24% and not 14. I don't know. But they're both widely available if you need some saves. We're going to get to some early season observations. I want to talk about David Peralta. I want to talk about Lewis Brinson. I want to talk about Juan Soto. Um, some hitting machines like Michael Franco, Adam Jones. These guys are off to great starts. We'll get to all of that. Stick around. We'll be right back on Fantasy Baseball today. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, early season observations. I gave you guys a homework assignment last night. Did you do it? Yeah, of course. Always do. I did it on Monday. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to go first. So why not? I'm just going to say something, and then I want you guys to react. Early season observations. David Peralta who was uh, a top 17 outfielder last year, and Matt Chapman, who had a 962 OPS in the second half, really broke out. Peralta and Chapman are picking up where they left off, guys. React. Uh, I think for Chapman in particular, it's really promising because of how much it was weighted towards the second half. And, you know, my general position is you take the whole season. But he's a young player. Really impressive skill set. I'm very heartened to see that he has picked up where he left off. It doesn't necessarily mean I think he's going to be an elite hitter moving forward, but you know, the level that Josh Donaldson was at in Oakland, I think, is attainable. He wasn't the first round guy, but he was a very good starting third baseman. Heath, have you moved jo- uh, Josh Donaldson? Have you moved Matt Chapman up at all? I ha- I moved him up a little bit at the very end of the spring, just when it became apparent that he was probably just fine and we didn't have concerns over what what had happened. But he is, I think he's my twelfth third baseman in both formats right now. Thirteen. He could probably be a, a little bit higher, but there's there's a lot of good third basemen. Right. I think you have him thirteenth, but you'd have to jump him over Vlad, Turner, Eugenio Suarez, Travis Shaw, Chris Bryant. I mean, I think it's reasonable to take Chapman over Vlad, I, uh, right? Vlad, Vlad or Chapman? I mean, I would guess he Chapman's going to be better over the rest of the season. He doesn't have the upside. Right, okay. I would take Chapman over Suarez. Heath, you want to give me a quick thought on David Peralta? No, not really. <laughs> I didn't buy the, the huge uh, increase in what he did last year, and he's making me look a little bit silly so far, but it's really, really early, and I've not found a uh, reason to move him up yet. Okay. Uh, Lewis Brinson has a 62.5% hard contact rate. That is 12th best in MLB. 31.3% line drive rate for Lewis Brinson. The numbers don't look good. No walks, six strikeouts, batting just 273. Hasn't homered. I think he was robbed of a home run. Um, he hit two, he has hit two doubles. He's played nothing but home games in that big park. Are we seeing anything that's encouraging for a 24% owned Lewis Brinson? Anything you care about right now? It's kind of like with the hot start in spring. It's just a reminder that he's there and that there's talent. Um, it's too early to say that he's figured it out. The strikeout to walk ratio obviously suggests that he hasn't. Um, but something to keep an eye on for sure. D. Gordon is off and running. D. Gordon has four steals, three of them batting ninth. So bad news is he's batting ninth. Good news is he's running. And I was hopeful for this as I thought he basically was D. Gordon last year before getting injured. Can D. Gordon be a fantasy stud if he's batting ninth? No, not a stud. He could be a steal stud. If you were redrafting uh, today, he went, he went like in the 90s overall in, in ADP. If you were redrafting today, when would you take D. Gordon? Right around the 80s or 90s. Yeah, in a roto league, but not in a points league. No, points league, no, he doesn't need to be owned. Uh, and then guys... I, I wouldn't go that far. He's still a second baseman, but... Uh, okay, but a second baseman batting ninth, who like doesn't walk, doesn't really do anything except steal, 
I'm interested to see where he'd re- where he would where where he'll end up. He's a low end, right? Problem, like my my number twelve second baseman right now is Rugnet Odor. Yeah, right and now I, he doesn't walk yeah. and he doesn't steal very much. Right now, D Gordon's tenth in points, but he's played a couple more games than most people, most players. Uh, Juan Soto is three for sixteen with one walk, nine strikeouts, still very low fly ball rate. Um, I don't know. He's faced great pitching. There was a there was a really good piece on Fangraphs uh, right before the season about Juan Soto. He was like the second best hitter in baseball against fastballs, and I think like. I think he might have been the worst against all non-fastballs. I wonder if maybe there's just a scouting report that's out and he needs to adjust. You know that that's what it's all about with young guys. Is it's you come in, your skill sets can shine or you can struggle. But there's always either you making an adjustment or the league making an adjustment to you, and that back and forth is really what separates the talented from the truly great. Yeah, so I I'm, I don't think anybody's worried about Juan Soto, but since no. we have seen great players take a step back in their second seasons, one walk, nine strikeouts, you know, it's something to keep an eye on. Okay, guys, what are your early season observations? Chris, hit me with it. So we talked, specifically the two of us, talked a lot about how there was no way Christian Yelich was going to back up last year's power breakout. Wasn't going to do a 36% home run to fly ball ratio. He might not need to. It's very early. It's five or six games for the Brewers. He has already hit 10 fly balls. He has already hit, I believe, three line drives, four line drives. So 14 of his 19 batted balls have been hit in the air. He is 10% of the way to last year's total fly ball total. Wow. Total fly ball total. Yeah. Uh, He has a 53% fly ball rate. Again, it's really early. I'm sure he's had six-game stretches where he's hit this many fly balls. But it is extremely, extremely encouraging and extremely worrying for someone who's a narcissist and was skeptical of Christian Yellick's power breakout. And also, we have a new category, new stat, new advanced stat, the TBFT, the total fly, total fly ball total. Oh, T, it's a good one. TFBT. I said it. Okay, total fly ball total. Ah, what Stat doesn't work. All right, what else, Chris? What else? Well, uh, in a similar vein, we said Madison Bumgarner couldn't be successful if he didn't change his approach. He has changed his approach, and the results so far are decidedly mixed. He was awesome against the, uh, the Padres in his first start, had nine strikeouts. The cutter was a tremendous swing and miss pitch. Last night against the Dodgers, not so much. He had eight total swinging strikes, uh, five with his cutter, but that was out of 40 pitches, so it's not a great rate. It's it's still to be determined. I haven't changed my opinion on Madison Bumgarner, but it remains something that we should continue to watch moving forward. Yeah, and I think we really need to consider sitting most pitchers against the Dodgers. Like, holy cow, what a lineup they have. And that was Bumgarner's opponent last night. Uh, one more, Chris? Tyler Glasnow's command in the over the weekend and his start really stood out to me if you look at the you go to baseball savant or brooksbaseball.net you'll see the strike zone overlay and basically every single pitch with the exception of about five was within the vertical uh plane of the strike zone and it was just he either missed high with his fastball or low with his curveball that's exactly what you want to see from him he had 100 miles per hour in this start the fastball was great and he even through some change-ups and sliders, which is interesting because he's really been a two-pitch pitcher in his career. If he can develop a third pitch and his command can be better, and that was a concern coming out of spring training when he walked so many people. It's really, really interesting if Tyler Glass now can just improve his command just enough. All right, Heath Cummings, you are up. Give me some early observations. The Rockies might be a really good matchup for pitchers when they're on the road again. And we got really excited about the uh, Stallions TM, and <laughs> they still could be very, very good. But also, the Rockies have now have a 208 batting average with a 290 BABIP. They've got a 28% strikeout rate as a team. They don't look very good offensively once again outside of Coors Field. That's what happens when you face the Stallions. Also, Caleb Smith there one they of the are. All right. Okay. Not all the Stallions. Just, but the Jose Urania. 
but I think it's the only, like they've scored 16 runs on the entire last. season. Yeah, and I think four of them were against Grainy. <laughs> you guys not even hearing this that I'm playing the stallion? I'm hearing. Thing? Okay, all right, good. As long as you're acknowledging. I, I didn't hear it. It's very low. I, I turned it up. <laughs> uh, what else, Heath? What else? Uh, let me be a little bit of a homer for just a moment. Because I haven't done that very much you? this year, and I'm not going to have very much reason to do it all year. Scott might have been too low on Adalberto Mondesi, which would mean we were all too low on Adalberto Mondesi. One yes, steal. he's only stolen one base so far this year. He's only been on first base twice. Right. That's because he has all of the extra base hits. He had an inside-the-park home run and a double. He has five extra base hits so far. He has a high BABIP, I know. He's hitting the ball in the air a ton. Most importantly, he's locked into that number two spot in the Royals batting order. I expect he's going to continue to run a ton. I mean, if he runs 50% of the time, he's on first base. He's going to be in pretty good shape. And he's with just one home run and one steal, he's on pace for a 40-40 season. I mean, <laughs> fine. Factually true. Else. It is technically correct, the best kind of correct. Thank you. He has a 29% infield fly ball rate. So he's hit a lot of infield fly balls, Pop-ups. which is what they're called. Pop-ups. He has struck out 28% of the time. It's only 18 plate appearances, so all. But I don't know. If if we were going to be really, really excited about Adalberto Mondesi after four games, I don't. I would not have pictured it being because he has a single inside the park home run that probably could have been caught and a single stolen base. Stay low on Mondesi, Chris. I'm not low on Mondesi. You are. I grabbed him in the in the auction that we did for twenty six dollars. That was a that was a big clearly buy. too low on. But him. I don't think anything we've seen so far should change how we view out about to Mondesi. At all. I said Scott might have been too low on him. He might have been. He might have been too high on him. He definitely wasn't that. Hey, I, I've got Adalberto Mondesi. You've got Francisco Lindor. I say, hey, I'll give you Mondesi. You give me that injured guy who's not even going to run this year. What would you do? Oh, God. In a Roto League, I'd probably take it. <laughs> wow. I think you kind of have to, given the fact that Lindor's already been hurt, already suffered a different injury, possibly as a result of that injury. I don't know how the calf bone's connected to the ankle bone. Um we just don't know what he's going to look like when he gets back. Okay. Would you rather have Mondesi or Trevor Story? Story. Um, I think I had... I can't remember who I had high. I haven't changed the two of them. You have Story uh, points, higher. It's definitely Story. You have Story higher. Yeah, I'll take Story. Okay. Uh, that's... Uh, oh, so do you want to give one more, Heath? No. Okay, good. Those are Heath's observations. Some bullpen notes. Thoughts on Jose Barrios' weird start? Uh, Michael Franco, are we buying it with him? Christian Walker homered again. He's 21% owned. Rowdy Telez is 11% owned. Keep an eye on him. Do we like, oh, Zach Eflin. I can't believe we haven't talked about Zach Eflin. We will talk about Zach Eflin. And we'll be right back. One last quick break. We'll be right back here on Fantasy Baseball today. Also, stick around for Grade the Trade, but we're coming right back. Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. All right, here we go. Uh, in the bullpen. Baltimore, the first team. Oh, I mentioned this. Since 1991 to have four different relievers record saves in the first four wins of the season. Great. Josh Hader. Josh Hader, is he going to be the number one reliever in fantasy this year? If Jeremy Jeffress comes back and in his rehab assignment, they find out he just can't pitch because of his shoulder, then yes. Yeah, they are using him as a true closer. He has four saves. The last three have been one inning at a time. He's been amazing. Uh, we talked about Anthony Swarzak and Blake Parker. They're available. Um, Shane Green is off to a good start. Three scoreless innings, one hit, one strikeout. Ian Kennedy got a save chance yesterday and blew it. So That's weird. It's really strange. Yeah. Willie Peralta pitched the seventh. It's going to be messy there. But I do think there's a chance that Kennedy is bad enough that Peralta just becomes the closer. What do you think? I think there's a chance that Peralta is bad enough that Boxberger becomes the closer. <laughs> I think there's a chance Boxberger is bad enough that uh, Richard currently pitching in AAA. I don't say someone. There, there is someone, and we all know who he is, and we're all excited for his debut. I have I, no I've, idea. No, we don't know who he is. Everyone knows about Richard Lovelady. Oh. I have no idea who that is. Yeah, I don't know either. 
Uh, okay. So what else? Oh, Kenley Jansen in a role as Chapman. Not a lot of swinging. Oh, actually, Chapman did have six swinging strikes last night, but it was his worst appearance. He gave up two runs to the stinking Tigers on three hits. Kenley Jansen. It was his worst appearance ever or just of this season? The season. Or... The season. This season. Okay. Uh, it was. To date. Kenley Jansen has thrown three scoreless innings. He has three swinging strikes on 46 pitches. It's weird that we freaked out so much about Kenley Jansen's velocity last April, and now it's even lower. He's averaging, he was 91.2 miles per hour with his cutter yesterday. He didn't have a swinging strike on 15 pitches. He has, I think you put in the notes, three on 46 pitches. Yep. I don't know. We we saw him be effective last year with diminished stuff, but the peripherals were still pretty scary. I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting to watch if he can't get his velocity back up because I think it could be a real concern. Well, I think we should talk about some of these guys who are off the hot starts. Okay, Michael Franco, 90% owned, 67% started. Franco's batting 545 with three home runs, six walks, and two strikeouts. Adam Jones is 62% owned. He's off to a great start with Arizona, batting 379 with three homers. Hunter Renfro hit two home runs yesterday. He's 47% owned, and that feels high to me, but he did in his last 48, 49 games of 2018. Hunter Renfro hit 18 home runs. And then there's Christian Walker, who's 21% owned, and he has only started against lefties, but he's been really good. Uh, 467 with three home runs. So let's start with Michael Franco. And is anybody buying Michael Franco as a fantasy contributor this year? Like a good one. I want to. I, I, I think we have to qualify what a good fantasy contributor is. I have lost much, most of my hope that Michael Franco still has like breakout potential to be a top five or six third baseman. But I do think that there's a reasonably decent chance that he could be a good corner infielder. The thing with Franco has always been consistency. When you look at, like, there are peripherals that look really good, but then, you know, he, he hits too many infield fly balls Pop-ups. or, you know, he goes through different stretches where he just can't make hard contact. The hard contact is always lower than you think it should be for someone who hits with the kind of power that he does. And it's because he, he vacillates between hitting the ball really hard and not making good contact at all. And so far this year, he has hit four fly four fly balls. One has been an infield pop up. There you go. Adam. <laughs> oh, Three we compromised. It's it's a really weird uh, start for Michael Franco, and I don't know what to make of it. For, all right, well, let me get some third baseman out there. Let's see where we rank Michael Franco. Obviously, he's behind the you know Chapman group. Chapman was thirteenth yeah. in third base. Sorry, I'm just buying time while I pull up the rankings. Here we go. Uh, uh, Moustakis or Franco? Moustakis. Just be, well, if if only because he's second base eligible. Uh, okay, how about Yuli Gurriel or Franco? I've got Yuli. I just moved Franco up because he's a guy I hadn't moved yet. I've got Yuli two spots ahead of him. I think that sounds fair. Thanks Jung, for answering first. Jungho Ganko or Michael Franco? Franco. I've got Ganko one spot higher. <laughs> Okay, so that means Franco is ahead of Jake Lamb as Drupal Cabrera, Jamer Candelario, etc., etc., etc. Adam Jones, Hunter Renfro, 62% and 47% owned respectively. Should they be that owned, Jones and Renfro? I think they're fine. It, the Padres are still figuring out their outfield. Uh, I think Renfro's only started twice so far, but he's been better than Fran Reyes, so you know, it's possible that that tilts in his favor a little bit. Adam Jones, it's just going to be really funny when nobody wanted to sign him this offseason at all, and then like the Yankees give up a decent po- prospect in July for him, which is absolutely what's going to happen. Not going to happen. Maybe not the Yankees. Some contender is going to give up something of value for Adam Jones. The Indians. They probably should have just signed him. They should have just signed him. I, I'm pretty sold, and it's very early, that Adam Jones is just Adam Jones again. Because he'd been Adam Jones for so long. He was so remarkably consistent. I think he's probably a little under-owned. Renfro, if this current playing situation sticks, is way over-owned. But fun fact, Hunter Renfro had more home runs yesterday than Fran Mill Reyes has hits on the season. So, you know, they seem pretty replaceable in a shallow, and certainly in a shallow league. 
Like even Adam Jones when he was recent Adam Jones, not like all-star Adam yeah. Jones. He was a back end of your roster kind of guy in a three outfielder league. And he doesn't yep. steal bases. He doesn't hit for a good average. He just hits like 26 home runs. And that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he's, he's, he doesn't hit for a bad average. Yeah. Well, no, like, he doesn't hurt you. Doesn't hurt you, but he, but he doesn't excel in anything. He's good in home yeah, runs. Yeah. No, I think that's fair. He, he's like the epitome of the guy who finishes like 34th among outfielders, <laughs> but is probably more like the 50th best outfielder right, exactly. every single day of the season. Right. So, so would you rather have Renfro or, or Adam Jones? Adam Jones. Jones, if I'm starting someone right now. And uh, should we get on the Christian Walker train here? I remain skeptical. Okay. They've faced a lot of lefties early this year, right? Four-ish? That's a lot. They've played five or six games. Yeah, so so listen, San Francisco has faced five lefties. Arizona's played faced, I think, four. And what the last two seasons, I noticed this with, with Cody Bellinger, right? I, I'm obsessed with how he hits against lefties. It's the key to his season. The NL West has been loaded with lefties. And yeah. I think and that's playing out again. Um so maybe that makes Christian Walker a little more valuable than if he were on <laughs> any other team, basically. Is it I I may need to correct myself. All of Christian Walker's home runs have come against righties? Yeah, I think so. Oh, wait a second. Okay, I got confused. I got confused. No, he did start against lefty. Uh, you tell me. Have they come against righties? I don't think so. I, I'm looking at his fan graphs page, and it shows that he has eight plate appearances against lefties, eight against righties. He is six for eight with three home runs against righties and one for eight against lefties. Okay, so he's starting against lefties and then homering on rough righties. Uh, he could be better than Jake Lamb. Oh, yeah. Sure. He could be. Yeah. All right, so look, keep an eye on Christian Walker. He's 21% owned. Um, and that's the end of that chapter. In deep leagues, Rowdy Telez, 11% owned. He has uh, sat versus lefties, so that's going to happen, it seems. But DH'd against righties, and he's off to a good start for the Blue Jays. John Hicks, if you need a catcher, he's 10% owned. He started three of six games for Detroit, started two of the last three at first base. He's not that good, but he, he might play more than most catchers. And does anybody have any interest in Trevor Cahill, who's, uh, you know. I'm always interested in Trevor Cahill because he always does really interesting stuff for about a month each season and then never sustains it. You also dropped him in a 16-team league yesterday. Yes, I did. Okay. Interested in dropping Trevor Cahill. For Anthony Alford, who is exciting. Speaking of Anthony's, any interest in Anthony DiSclefani? Let's see a couple more starts. The biggest thing for him, he's always had potential. He's just never been able to stay healthy. I do think Rowdy Tellez may be just a, a starter in a daily lineup league. Like It's been a li- limited sample size, but last year, spring training, this year, he's been very, very good. So would you rather have Rowdy Tellez or Christian Walker? They're both going to sit against... Well, no, Walker's going to start against lefties and sit against righties. Tellez the opposite. Yeah, Walker, I don't know that Walker's going to sit against righties if he has the same number of plate appearances against him this year as he does lefties. I'll, I'm going to still say Tellez. I believe more in him. Okay. But I do think that when righties have... You can check. I think when righties have been on the mound, Jake Lamb has started. But again, we're trying to pick up the, the trends here. I mean, there's no reason why Walker couldn't, you know, just become the starter. Uh, injuries, news, and notes. Some quick ones. Edwin Encarnacion was scratched from the lineup. He's day-to-day. Todd Frazier began a rehab assignment. We need Jeff McNeil to get, I think, two more appearances at third base to get eligibility. Matt Adams day-to-day with back spasms. Alex Wood had set had some setbacks, and there's no timetable for his return. Let's talk about Zach Eflin. Five innings, scoreless, three hits, one walk, nine strikeouts at Washington. He is 73% owned, and now let's throw Zach Eflin in the mix with the Stallions, with Eric Lauer, who is 73% owned as well and probably will be less owned soon. Uh, with all the guys we've talked about, the Odorizis of the world, the Jordan Zimmermans, where is Zach Eflin? Let's talk about F's, baby. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> um, I think he's right there. It, it's really interesting that he had such a good start yesterday. What was it, nine strikeouts? Uh, yes. And a decent amount of swing strikes. His velocity was back to pre-2018 levels, and what made him so interesting last year was that he had this velocity spike. He said his legs were finally healthy for the first time in a couple of years, and that made his stuff play up. So 
now he was back averaging like 93 with his fastball instead of 95. The results were good enough that I'm still excited, but I do want to see the velocity creep back up if possible. Trevor Richards is the only stallion that I like more than Zach Eflin. I like all of the stallions more than Eric Lauer, so that's kind of how I rank all those guys. I do think Eflin has quite a bit of upside, and if he's good, should win a ton of games, which is the one advantage he has all over all those Marlins yeah. pitchers. Yeah, the stallions, in case you're confused, are the Marlins pitchers. What are we going to call the Brewers pitchers? The Brewers. <laughs> so how would you rank Eflin with Woodruff and Burns and Peralta? Burns Burns was really interesting this weekend. A hard fastball with a lot of spin could be an excellent swing and miss pitch even as a starter. Um, Rank them. I want all of them right now. I, I'll still take Eflin over the Brewers pitchers. I think I'll go. I think I'll go Burns, Eflin, Woodruff. Okay, would you drop Sean Newcomb for Zach Eflin? I would. I'm not quite there. Let's talk about Jose Barrios. It was an okay start. Royals don't strike out. They have the third fewest strikeouts in baseball now. I, I don't know strikeouts per game. But uh, I'm trying to look up the line. I'm sorry. I can't find it. Oh, there it is. Seven innings, seven hits, three Two runs. Strikeouts? Four strikeouts. No walks for Barrios. This is Chris coming off. never giving Jose Barrios enough credit. Apparently not. It, I don't I mean, know. what do we have to say here? Yeah, nothing. Nothing. He's been Jose Barrios well, so far this season. After his first start, we were we were like, whoa, potential breakout. Had his awesome start against the Indians. And this was Why fine. Why would we have done that, though? Well, I wasn't on that podcast. We, we I were, was not, yes, you were. We, we didn't say he is. You just didn't say anything. <laughs> we, were, we didn't say he is breaking out. We just said this was a great start for a guy with big upside. The the thing I'll say in Brios's favor, because he didn't have his good stuff last night. He was not as good as he was in his first start, and he's too inconsistent. I'll agree with all those things. He's still a top 25 starting pitcher. He got through seven innings. And he he may—I've ranked him higher in points the last two years than I do in Roto. One of his best skills is he, he should give you a lot of innings. I got a bunch of starting pitchers that are owned in 85% of leagues or more. Tell me if they deserve it. Kyle Freeland, Marcus Stroman, Marco Gonzalez, Yoli Shasin, and Brad Keller. Again, the names are Kyle Freeland, Marcus Stroman, Marco Gonzalez, Yoli Shasin, and Brad Keller. They're all owned in 85% of leagues or more. Do they deserve it, or are these guys that we could drop for some of these trendy starting pitchers? I think you can drop Shasin pretty easily. Um I think Freeland at 95% is too high. Yep. Um, I'm fine with the rest of them. Ke- yeah, Keller remains more interesting than like really good so far. Uh, but that he could just be the, the kind of guy who's just a tweak in his pitch mix away from taking a big step forward. And he's a spark. That helps. I know, but 85% owned goes way beyond spark land for Brad Keller. Yeah. And he had, look, he had a 308 ERA last year. But... 96 strikeouts and 140 and a third, a 130 whip. I'm sorry, but if I'm not starting Brad Keller as a reliever, I I am probably dropping him for Stallions and Brewers and Eflins. Yeah, yeah. I, that that makes sense to me. He was he a two star pitcher this week? I would imagine. He yep, was. he is. That that probably explains it. Okay, I think he probably goes back to like 65, 70 percent after this week. Our email address is fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. One of the segments we've been doing for years is grade the trade. And we like to put some, some teacher themed music behind grade the trade. So here's Van Halen to get us going. God, what a long intro. Okay, hold on. Let me mute it. I see. I need, I need to really. <laughs> It's an endless intro. Oh, here we go. It's perfect. Okay, grade the trade for Matt. Hey, Jimmy, John, Robert, and John Paul. Uh, Led Zeppelin. Yeah, not Van Halen. Give up Marco Gonzalez and Josh Donaldson. Get Trevor Richards and Travis Shaw. Marco Gonzalez and Josh Donaldson. Get Trevor Richards and Travis Shaw. 
think that's a C plus. A minus. Oh. Yeah, you throw if you trade for Travis Shaw, like you're getting an A from Heath. <laughs> Trout for Shaw. A B plus. Uh no name well, on this I, one. I, I was gonna say, I actually I'm I'm going on a trip in a couple weeks to Tampa and I'd asked for recommendations. And I got hundreds. But one guy, one guy says, you must go to this restaurant. I'm talking like must start Travis Shaw must. <laughs> I told my wife, we're going to go to the restaurant. Perfect. All right. From no name on this one, grade the trade. Give up. Trey Turner. And this came oh. in this morning. So after the injury. Trey Turner, Carlos Carrasco, and Chris Paddock. Get Lindor, Stanton, and Marquez. <laughs> so give up Turner, Carrasco, and Paddock. Get an injured Lindor, an injured Stanton, and a healthy Armand Marquez. Head-to-head categories. How's Carrasco's fastball looked? I don't know, but probably bad because it's not good. Nothing special. Um, I just had to make the joke to stall for time. Oh, okay. Um, I think it depends on the, the state of your roster. I I lean towards this being a B. I was going to say C minus. Yeah, this is a bad trade, I think. Like, I think you're getting more upside. Yeah, I mean, like Paddock, I love Paddock. Are? I think he's going to be really good, but there's a hard upside or a hard ceiling on innings. We know Trey Turner could be back maybe in the middle of May. Um, and I, I just think with Lindor and Stanton, you're getting two potential top five hitters. I would just say in a categories league, I would still today rather have Turner than Lindor. And I would much rather have Carrasco than Stanton. Right. And I'm not certain that Marquez is going to be great. I think he'll probably still be good. So I think that you're winning two positions and losing one, but not quite as big. Alex in New York, grade the trade, Ron Brick, Champ, and Brian. Anchorman. Uh, 12-team head-to-head OBP league categories. Categories. OBP. Give Mike Trout, get Travis Shaw. No. Give Mike Trout, get Cody Bellinger and Roberto Osuna. I think it's a D. Yeah, D. Oh, my gosh. Mike Trout is off to a, I guess, slow start by his standards. I think he has a 480 on base percentage. He'll yes. probably have like a 420 on base percentage, you know. I, may, I don't even know what it was last year, but he's so. I think it was like 460 last oh, year. Okay, yeah, I saw them very short. He's so good in in OBP. Uh, he's good in everything. Okay, uh, this is from No Name Again. Grade the trade. Ten team categories. Give up. Chris Sale and Jordan Hicks. Get Paul Goldschmidt and roll this Chapman. Oh yeah, bravo. A. a. Yeah, I think that's an A. Yeah. I would trade Chris Sale and Jordan Hicks for Goldschmidt. Sure. From Chris. No name, no name needs to calm down with these trades. Just like, let your roster marinate. <laughs> Different person. Uh, but I think that was the joke. From Chris. Grade the trade. Give up <laughs> Goldschmidt and Kershaw. Get. Ooh, a lot of Yankees here. Goldschmidt and Kershaw for Paxton, Luke Voigt, Giancarlo Stanton, and D. Gordon. So again, Goldschmidt and Kershaw for Paxton, Voigt, Stanton, and Gordon. F. I like this one. I thought it was like a C plus. Oh, you were doing a bit. No, you almost always lose trades when you go the accumulator route, taking multiple players for two players. Sure. All Goldschmidt's the best player in the deal. Right, but Paxton is better than Kershaw. I think they're really close. Okay. But Man, I could be wrong. And I think I seem to be a little bit more concerned over John Carlos Stanton than Chris does. He played like 317 games over the previous two seasons. No, I don't care about it, the past injuries. It's just I don't feel good about him coming right back and being John Carlos Stanton. I will, he had yeah, seven maybe. he had seven walks in three games. That's uh pretty good. But well, that's yeah. a nice thing. You don't need your bicep to walk. Also, zero extra base hits. Uh, from Ryan, grade the trade in a points league. Give up Chris Bryant and Madison Bumgarner. Get Blake Snell and Luis Severino. Bryant, jeez, Bryant and Bumgarner for Snell and Severino. I, uh, I think it's a C minus. Really? Plus. We what? don't agree on any of the trades. What are you no. talking about, Chris? I was gonna queue. He doesn't up. like Blake Snell. I was gonna give him. Well, no, I think Blake Snell is great, but like Severino might give you nothing this season. 
And I don't know if Blake Snell's so good that he makes up for uh, Brian and Bumgarner. Yeah, but, but but who would you rather have, Bumgarner or Severino? I'd rather have Severino on my team right now. Everybody would rather have Severino. Chris, you'd rather have Not Severino. Chris. I guess, yeah. And you'd rather have Snell than Bryant. Come on. New, I feel like grade. we are not new downgrading. Grade. I feel like we are not accounting for enough risk with Luis Severino. Like he's a starting pitcher who throws 100 miles an hour and but is you'd rather dealing with a shoulder injury. Have him then Bumgarner. New grade. Here's Chris. my my thing with Bumgarner. We, we have to go. I go ahead. Not, he was not a top 30 starting pitcher for me. Sure, and he wouldn't have been for me either. But I'm not sure Severino would have been after the injury. We're out of here. Thanks for listening to Fantasy Baseball today. We'll talk to you tomorrow. A little buy low, sell high on Thursday's show. See you later, everybody.